Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. It's time for the match preview with myself, Andrew Musgrove, and I'm joined by John Gibson. United are back in action this weekend against Fulham as the Magpies hope to get through to the fifth round of the FA Cup to trek down to the capital for a Saturday night kickoff at Craven Cottage. Coming up in this episode, we'll look at the importance of the Cup, the team who might be put out, and a bit about transfers as well. Please follow, subscribe, and share the podcast. Let's get on with the show. John, I hope you're doing well. How are you surviving with a break and play for United? Well, yes, uh, I think the one thing that's kept me going is all the transfer activity or the non-transfer activity, depending on whether it comes to fruition or not. But uh, certainly the cat's been put among the pigeons. Darren Eels truthfully told the state of play and um, everybody across Europe seems to have jumped on the bandwagon. Hmm. Well, let's get transfers out of the way first, because I'm sure our listeners and viewers will be sick of it. Um, Keown Trippier to Bayern Munich. John, are you selling? Are you keeping them? What are you doing? Um, I mean, if this was the summer, I would sell. Uh, simply, I mean, super player, but he's 33. Newcastle can get actually slightly more than they paid for the lad. They've got the replacement already in-house in Livermento. Um, so reluctantly, and he would always go with magnificently fond memories for me. Um, but yes, I would sell. But that's a summer. Uh, you know, what What worries me now about him, about Wilson, about Almiron, <coughs> is how much work have Newcastle been doing behind the scenes to get somebody in? I don't mean necessarily for their positions. If you sell Trippier, you don't need a right-back. You've got them already. But you can go and get the midfielder who always been craving. And I would only really allow any of the three to go now if I knew, and maybe it's the case, that somebody is actually sitting there in the airport departure lounge ready to come to us uh, to use the money. If he was going to go and we weren't going to get somebody in till the summer, then I wouldn't want anybody to go at this stage because we're down on numbers already. Uh, we would. It would only be if we can get somebody in. And I must say, having said all that, I'm very, nobody knows what's going to happen because the twists and turns are, are quite surprising and people panic at the last minute. I'm thinking of buyers and suddenly put in a very silly offer because they're desperate and then the deal's done. But I've got a feeling all three could stay and still be with us, you know. Yeah, me too. I mean, I think Miguel Mion is probably the most vulnerable one at reports of a, of a, of a agreement um, being made. We're recording this on Wednesday afternoon, so things, of course, could change by the time we release this episode on Thursday morning. Yeah. Um, but let's get on to the actual football ahead, John. Uh, the FA Cup, it remains for most the competition that most want to win, the, the most romantic trophy they can lift. It comes with a, with a lovely little reputation, does the FA Cup. What does it mean to you? Oh, a, a massive, massive amount. Being the aged gentleman that I am, I was brought up with the FA Cup and its heyday. And if you go back to the 50s, when I was a little boy, absolutely starry-eyed and sitting by the um, Red Fusion radio in my grandma's house because we didn't have telly in those days, um, I was obsessed by uh, the FA Cup. It was the utopia uh, of the football season. And I talked a lot later in life to Jackie Milburn when um, 
Jackie come in the press box and become a dear, dear friend of mine that was ghosting his books. And he said, you know, the league never bothered us. It was the cup because there wasn't a great finale with the league. You know, you didn't sort of have a bit. But with the FA Cup, FA Cup final day at Wembley. I mean, television started at 8 o'clock in the morning and went on till you went to bed at night. Um, that's the sort of coverage the FA And it was the... I mean, there was no Champions League in those early days. I'm talking about when Newcastle won it three times in five years. There was no Champions League. There was... The glamour was put and there was no League Cup. The glamour was the FA Cup. And Newcastle were the most glamorous side in the FA Cup. They won it three times in five years. It was under Stan Seymour. They used to travel the length and breadth of the country. The whole country was fascinated by them. They would go on a train. They would hitch a private carriage to the back of the train at the central station. And that was for the for the whole team. And they went down there and... <clears throat> Stan Seymour stood on the platform as the players got on and gave every player a 20 packet of player cigarettes. Can you imagine that these days with the health, etc.? You give them all a 20 packet of player cigarettes as they got on as their sort of little bonus. And Jackie used to try to stand next to the ones that didn't smoke so he could nick their packet. I mean, and we went all over the country, held court, and we were the cup team. <laughs> Three. We won the cup three times in five years and we haven't won it since. And the last time of that three times in five years was 1955. Every member of that team who was a superstar in those days is now well gone, bless them. They're well dead. It's so long ago. But the FA Cup, you look in the record books, we've won the FA Cup six times and we've been finalists another seven. The FA Cup is our most successful competition you can take europe you can the whole of europe you can take the league you can take the league cup the fa cup is our most important competition and our most successful competition and by joe may i add that it's the only competition this season the only one left the the premier league is hugely important i'm not underplaying it we want to get back in europe etc etc but the only thing we can win this season is the FA Cup, and that's how important it is going to Fulham. Yeah, it sounds like your love for it certainly hasn't died um, over the Not decade since Newcastle last won it. Um, from the viewpoint of Eddie Howe and the club, what do you think they're thinking? I mean, last year with the Carabao Cup final on the horizon, John, it seemed like the FA Cup was a second thought. Put out a weak inside against Sheffield Wednesday and were badly beaten. But given, as you've just mentioned, that it's the only competition they can win, you'd assume that the want to win it will be fully on the agenda for Howe and Newcastle. Oh, I think I think it, it's got to be a passion. It has got to be a passion. Because if we're brutally truthful, in lots of ways, although we've had a fabulous season in as much as we've had highlights of beating Manchester City in the League Cup and who will forget Paris Saint-Germain in the Champions League, etc etc but in lots of ways this season's been a little bit of a disappointment after the glory season last time round this season's been a little bit of a, a disappointment but win the FA Cup and it's not a disappointment 
it's certainly a superstar season. This season would be remembered as the time when Newcastle won their first trophy since 1969. So that it can turn around a season which is a little deflated and make it magnificent. And that's the point, isn't it? It's about what it can do for the season as a whole. It can start that ball rolling, that momentum going. And I think the old saying is, you know, winning breeds confidence. So, of course, you're going to go through the next round because you want to progress. But also, it can be used as a platform to kickstart the the league form as well. Oh, yes. I mean, that's it's absolutely true that there's nothing breeds success better than success. There's no question about it. And if Newcastle beat Fulham and go on, we've got some great fixtures after Aston Villa away. And I'm, I'm not uh, suggesting for one minute that's a write-off because I think it's anything but if we get the right result against Fulham. Um, but it, it can overspill into the... Because they go in tandem, the FA Cup and the league, because in the main, it doesn't burden the fixture list when we're no longer in Europe, when we're no longer in the League Cup final like last season. And the results can run on. We, If we beat Fulham and Stain, we can actually theoretically win the FA Cup and get back in Europe, at least the Europa League and, and possibly even the Champions League, because of the roll-on effect if, if winning and winning. And if we lose to Fulham, how do we go to Aston Villa on Tuesday night? Not in the best frame of minds. So, you know, it is important not just to the only thing we can win this season, but it's going to implode on the league form. Now, just knocking that forward, and you've already said we're recording on Wednesday lunchtime, so people are listening to this realise that. I'm looking, and you mentioned a nice phrase before, Andrew, where you said, you know, last season we had the... Carabao Cup final and therefore the team that went to Sheffield Wednesday and we got cuffed and it didn't really matter because you know what I'm hoping Fulham feel like that Fulham can go to Wembley tonight if they get the right I know Liverpool's a, a heck of a, a, a task but they can go to Wembley tonight now I've got two ways of looking at tonight's result and both of them are to the advantage of Newcastle whatever the result is if Fulham win and go to a cup final they're going to be happy. They, that, they, that's their obsession for the rest of the season. The FA Cup doesn't matter almost to them if they're in the final of the League Cup because they, they'll believe they're not going to go to the final of the two. I mean, that would be absurd for a side like Fulham. But if they're going to one final, that's great. So really, on Saturday, if we go ahead, etc., etc., they're not going to be too destroyed because they're already in a, a Wembley final. Take it the other way on. They get beat by Liverpool tonight which is what most people would expect, which is what the bookies would expect. I'm going to, I'm hoping that if that happens, they're going to be so decimated when they're playing three days later that they've been one match off Wembley and they're not going, that they'll be lower in the snake's belly. And, mm. and so I'm, I'm working out that either result can, can in some ways benefit Newcastle United. It certainly can. And regardless, I think, of the result tonight, again, we'll just remind you recording this on, on Wednesday. This show will go out on Thursday. But regardless of whether Fulham managed to turn it around, they're 2-1 behind at the moment uh, to Liverpool. One thing that is for certain, it is a quick turnaround to Saturday. You know, just Absolutely two right. days. Um, and I know, um, you know, the it, professional it's a, quick turnaround. Have... it's a quick turnaround, Andrew, because mentally you've put so much into a semi-final of a cup 
they're recovering from it, whether you've won or lost, so quickly is very, very difficult. Um, so that's to their disadvantage. I mean, in all fairness, we've got to say to our disadvantage, it hasn't been the greatest build-up to the, to the Fulham match with, you know, every, not every, just every day, what's the latest position with Trippier and Wilson and Almiron and Lascelles, but almost every hour. And, you know, um, and that is not a good way for Eddie to be training the lads every day with them, some of them thinking, am I going to be here on Saturday or am I going to be here by the end of January uh, or am I not? Is a brain scrambled? What's going to happen? As it happens, I think that the players concerned when he, when you think of Trippier and Wilson, who may not be involved in Fulham anyway, and Almiron, um, the senior pros, the steady pros, the loved at Newcastle, I don't think it'll have killed them as much in training this week as some people might presume, you know, and because they are devotees to what's happening at Newcastle. And, you know, and I think Trippier would, would happily stay here. I think Wilson would happily stay here. And I think Almiron would happily stay here. So I, I don't think it'll have upset the camp as much as we would think. But it isn't the ideal way for Eddie to build up towards an FA Cup. I mean, by the time this game comes round, it'll almost be an accident, won't it? There's, it's, it's not been centre stage all week like it would have been had it not been a, a, a transfer week. Yeah, you know, they are pressure footballers and the heads um, may have been turned, but their focus will be hopefully on the training pitch. And it has to be really because this just isn't another game. This isn't just the first game after the break for Newcastle United. You know, it comes amongst a really bad run of form for Newcastle, having lost eight of the last 10. So, again, as we've kind of mentioned earlier in the show, it's not just about Fulham. It's about getting out of the rot and then hopefully kickstarting your season. Because we have to be honest, they're coming to this game in a horrendous run of form, even despite the positives that were there against Manchester City. Yeah, or they, yes, they are. They're in a horrendous run of form. If we got used to being in the top four for a long time last season, as well as finishing in the top four. Um, but if you look at the current league table, and I know this isn't the league game, but it reflects what recent results have been. We are 10th and we're only out of the bottom half of the table, because 11th is the bottom half of the table, we're only out of that on goal difference to Wolves. So that's how far our season has fallen apart. And we really need a lift in the next the next Premier League game is tough. Aston Villa away, they, their home record is absolutely superb. So it is tough. But we've got to go in. The best way of going into that is on the back of getting through against Fulham. Not, not on the, the back of losing against Fulham because then you go down there and you're the ones that's low in the snake's belly. I mean, you know, we've got it. But after that, you can turn around the rest of the results. The one good thing, I suppose, you were mentioning, what was it, Andrew? Eight defeats in ten for us. The one thing in favour, you would say, is one of those wins, one of those two games was against Fulham. We beat Fulham 3-0 up here recently. Now, that was as comfortable as eventually, eventually it was as comfortable as 
the score suggests. But I would suggest that Raul being sent off in the first half at North North had a huge impact on the game because all of a sudden we were definitely in the driving seat. They were to go uh, two-thirds of the game with 10 men against 11. And it sure we ran away with it. We won in the end comfortably 3-0. Can that be repeated? Well, the first thing you say is that the 3-0 win was up here and we're down there. And that is significant because we travel badly. And the, the second thing you'd say is that can the police play with 10 men again? Because that made a huge, huge difference. There's two of the guys, two of our local boys who will be travelling down there will have Beautiful memories of that 3-0. Lewis Miley became our youngest Premier League goalscorer in that game. 17 years, 230 days. And Dan Burns scored against his old club because he played for Fulham, of course. So they will travel with happy memories of that game up here. And um, we really need a result again like we got that day. But mm -hmm. I don't think it'll be easy because they can play. On any given day, Fulham can play. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Fulham. I do like watching them, but as much as Newcastle are in a bad run of form, Fulham also aren't doing too well. The last six games, they've picked up six points. The last six games Newcastle played, they've picked up three. Um, so, you know, Fulham coming to this game in bad spirits as well, at least in the form table. Um, in terms of, John, the training uh, pitch and what Eddie Howe's had the, had the time and had the chance to work on this week, we know that... Um, the players were afforded time away. You know, I think Anthony Gordon went over to America as the Kieran Trivia. Um, and they returned to Tyneside without any extra uh, bodies. No one's coming in the transfer window and no one's returned from injury. Joe White's returned from loan, but he's cup tight, so he can't be involved on Saturday. You've then got Joe Linton out for the, for the remainder of the season. He might return in May, but, you know... You've had no Joe Willock returning, no Ali Anderson, no Harvey Bonds. So Howe's only got the players to work with that he's been working with for the past few weeks, months. So what can he possibly do, you know, this week to, to, to stop the rot? Well, I, I think the main thing that's come along to stop the rot, and it's over a fortnight, isn't it? Not just over a week. We haven't played for a fortnight. Is exactly that. I think we were mentally and physically exhausted, as much mentally as physically, in some cases, exhausted. I mean, look at the last game against Man City. For an hour, we were superb. For the last half hour, we were like a boxer on the ropes getting his head punched off. We, we just ran out of legs, we ran out of steam, and we ran out of a result as a consequence of that. And, and we've got a guard against that. And that's a whole other matter. And I think you agree with me on this, Andrew. We've got to use subs better in the last 20 minutes of a game. Because against City, when we still had something to hold on, we're leading 2-1, then it was 2-2. We were so tired. We give the ball away. The front guys stopped running because there was no more puff in them. The midfield went back to being the midfield overrun and the people at the back were passing the ball out just hoofing it so it came straight back hoof it to manchester city and they'll play it to death we only used one sub and that was five minutes from time lewis hall we can't do that again even all right we haven't got the subs for midfield and we certainly haven't got the subs for up front 
But even if we've got the subs at the back, if we're getting tired at the back, so the defenders are getting mentally tired on, on having to plug the gaps and are therefore using the ball very badly when they win it, then you've got... Well, Levermanko wasn't there against City, but he, he he's available now. And and you've got Kraft and you've got Dummett and you've got Lascelles and you've you've got Hall. Let's use some of them. Because they they have the legs. We didn't have the we almost invited, in my humble opinion, and we almost invited defeat in that last quarter of an hour against Man City. And we can't repeat that in this game. We haven't got the subs we want true enough. But that doesn't mean we've got nobodies. We've got kids, and you often say this, they'll run about and that that's good. But we've got some experienced players further back. You could move Sean to midfield and, and, and put uh, Lascelles in there. Yeah, I mean, for the last quarter of an hour or something. If you, and Lascelles isn't going to let you down. And he's going to have legs. And, and so is Kraft. Uh, and, and so is Levermanko if he doesn't start in this game. And Hall. So I think we've got to use subs better than we have. But, um, you know, the good thing is that the players have been rested as much mentally as physically because it's... You know, the, the mouse uh, the, that's on the treadmill, it, it, you know, that is what Newcastle United have been. And that's exhausting, not just physically, it's exhausting mentally. And they've got away from that in this time. Now, you bring them back, you do a little bit of work on set pieces, you remind them what defending's all about, the legs have returned for the high press. So the, it should have made a significant difference. Because they haven't been off a week, they've been off a fortnight. Um, and that should have made a big, big difference. Uh, and we've got to hope it has. Yeah, fingers crossed. It's well, yeah. Andrew. Let us remember, mate. And I think let us remember the first half against City, we looked Newcastle United again. Yes, yeah, that's what we need. Yeah, most certainly. And I mean, you will play your strongest team on Saturday. Oh, you know, yes. Like we say, for all the reasons we've mentioned, you want to stop the rot, you want to get the momentum going, and you want to progress. It is the only cup competition that Newcastle United can win. So let's go through the team then, John. Um, Martin Dubrovka, Kieran Trippier, Fabian Scher, Sven Botman. Now the left-back, would you be playing Dan Byrne or would you be playing Tino Livermento potentially? He'll play Dan Byrne. I would play Livermento, uh, but he'll play Dan Byrne. Uh, will he play Livermanco instead of Trippier if Trippier looks as if he's seriously going? And that will be decided in the next 24 hours whether they come back because there's talk they will and there's talk they won't. Um, but if it looked as if it was seriously on, would you play Livermanco there? Um, I mean, not if the guy's staying. Uh, he'll keep his normal back four if he can, which is Trippier, Shaw, Botman and Byrne. Because any changes he makes, he doesn't like making them to the back. And isn't it ironic that he doesn't like making them at the back? Because that's the only place where he's got senior players and he could make them if he wanted to. I think it's funny because even if he thought about resting uh, Kieran Trippier, say, with Aston Villa on the horizon on Tuesday night, he knows he can't now. Even if Kieran Trippier's not going to Bayern Munich, he knows that if he can't rest Kieran Trippier just for just because he would like to give him a, a, a bit extra break because he knows everyone will be jumping on that. He's not playing. That means he's going. And he might just not play. Yeah, right. He wants and to give course, him. 
of course, if anybody needs a rest after a fortnight's rest, there's something sadly wrong with them. Well, the athletes, yeah. aren't they? They've had a they fortnight's are. rest. They are and indeed. Just, I mean, if Trippier looked as if he was gone, you know, behind the scenes, what because another offer comes in, which is quite staggering in the next 24 hours, you could leave him out because he would be mentally wrong for the yeah. game because you know on Monday or Tuesday he's gone. But, you know, otherwise, no. And, I mean, he will play. The team picks itself. In his eyes, he'll go De Bruyne, Trippier, Shaw, Botman, Byrne. He'll go Miley, Bruno, Longstaff. There's nothing else he can do in midfield. And he'll go Almir and Isaac Borden. There's nothing else he can do up front. Unless, you know, Callum Wilson suddenly gets off his, his um, bed of nails and declares himself fit and ready to run through brick walls. But, uh, you know, you've got to bear in mind Tuesday's coming along pretty quick. And I think probably um, Callum would be held for that or go as a sub to get 10 minutes with a view to Aston Villa. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you are right. The team does pretty much pick itself. That is the starting 11 that I anyhow will pick. And that's probably the starting 11 that I would pick as well because I don't think it is a game where, you you know, you play Emile Crafty or you play Paul Dummett. As we said, you play strongest team to get through to the next round. Of course, there is no Joe Linton, as we mentioned. He's gone oh. under the knife. He's had an operation. He may be back for the last couple of games in May. I mean, John, that is a massive blow. And for me, oh. he's in the engine room of the midfield. He makes a tick. He allows Bruno to flourish. It's a huge, huge loss for Newcastle. Oh, that possibly at this given moment, outside of possibly Bruno, that's the one guy you don't want out. Because let's be truthful. The midfield of Miley, Bruno and Longstaff, while it looks good on paper, is not working well in, with every cylinder spot on. It has been a problem recently. Longstaff's form's dipped. Miley has been in for so long and he's a 17-year-old kid. You know, it's it, it, time to pull out and put back in an ideal world. And Bruno is trying to do everything on his own because he hasn't got other people there and he's trying to be Superman with the cape on and do the defensive work, doing the tacking work, doing the wood, taking the throw-ins, whipping the crowd up, being the cheerleader. Um, he's doing everything or trying to do everything. Bruno misses Longstaff. Sorry, Bruno misses his mate, Joe Lynch. Yeah, there's no, I... absolutely no question. And... In the current situation, with our midfield three so fragile, Joe becomes twice as important. He's a big, brute of a, a player, and that's meant as the utmost compliment. He is strong, he's powerful, he breaks things up, he surges forward. He's the one you don't want out, and he is out. And he's not only out, he's out for youngs. But everybody's out for youngs, aren't they? When do we get a, a, a little fella with a tweak misses the next game and then comes back. That's unheard of. If Newcastle get an injury, you're out for half a season. I mean, there's three guys, all for vastly different reasons, Pope, uh, Big Joe and Tenali, that we mightn't see again this season. That's how bad the, you know, the, the injury situation is. person doesn't go out for a game or two games. They go out for an eternity. Yeah, and it's bad, mean, isn't it? Just, it's just... Oh, I mean, I'm trying to remember what uh, Jacob Murphy, Harvey Barnes, and Elliot Anderson look like. <laughs> well, fingers I mean, crossed. 
they'll be back soon enough. Uh, we hope. Kind of. How long have you said that, Andrew? Very true. I mean, Harvey Barnes' injuries is a very, very strange one. But fingers oh. crossed, we do get to see them soon enough because Newcastle and I can not only do with the numbers, but could do with their quality as well. I'm going to ask for your prediction, John, but I couldn't end the episode without asking you what all our listeners want to know your answer about. Miguel Almiron. If someone comes in, if the Saudi team that's been linked, Al-Shabaab, come in with a £25 million bid, for example, are you keeping them or are you selling them? I'm selling them, uh, providing if it's this January, if it's now, the one worry is that you don't... I wouldn't sell any of them if it means we're just a man light because we can't afford, for goodness sake, a man light. We haven't got a midfielder or a forward uh, available to us. So, um, I mean, if it was the summer, uh, to be truthful, I would probably sell all three. If it was the summer, Trippier only because we've got Livermanco, uh, Almiron, most definitely, um, and Wilson, because he's never fit. So if it was a summer where we had time to get replacements, I would sell all three. The only reason why I mightn't do it tomorrow morning is if I didn't have somebody able to come in. With Trippier, it allows you to buy a midfielder. With Almiron, you would have to buy an outside right, and with Wilson, you would have to buy a centre-forward. But if if one of them were in the pipeline, and by the way, if Newcastle United are doing their job, they should have somebody in the pipeline now in case that comes tomorrow. Because believe you me, if it comes tomorrow an offer for one of them, you don't think the player won't know about it. The player will know about it before the offer goes into Newcastle because that's the way agents work these days. So you can't sort of con the player, the player will know what's happening behind the scenes. But the only way I would get rid of those now is if I knew within 24 hours I was going to be sitting up at Newcastle Airport waiting for the guy to come in to sign for Newcastle United. Otherwise, I wouldn't let them go. But under normal circumstances, I think all three are expendable. I think the players that aren't, and one of them I've done in the Evening Chronicle paper and online today and that's Isa. you don't get rid of Isa because i tell you what you not only lose a wonderful player but where do you get a center forward and can score the sort of goals he scores and do it regularly they they aren't around so that would be an unmitigated disaster as bruno could be an unmitigated there's certain players but Isaac is the biggest example for me and Rio Ferdinand can go and jump in the time because it's not to do with him. And excuse me, he's not even trying to sell Isaac to his club, Manchester United. He's telling Arsenal to come in. He can butt out of that one for a start. But Isaac's the sort of person you don't let go. One of the things that surprised me, and I'm going to turn this question on you because this is a this is a two-way show. I suspect that you would sell Miguel Almiron. Now, you would only do that if you'd resigned as president of his fan club, which you joined a little while back and absolutely slaughtered for me for not coming and joining you in that. And I said, no, I want to wait and make certain before I come. Would you forget now, because it's, it's it, there might be time for a replacement, but if there wasn't a deadline of the end of January, would you sell Almira? 
for the right price. Yep, if it was 25, 30 million, without a shadow of a doubt, I would cash in. Be with a have heavy you resigned heart. from have you resigned from the fan club? I haven't resigned. I'm gonna put the sign on the door when he goes and, and shut it down um and remain, you know, in as as the chair and founder, but accepting that it's no longer worth running the club because he would no longer be here. But look, 25, 30 million pounds, John from McGraw Muon, too good of a deal to turn down. Um, and you are right in everything you've said. It's just the timing, isn't it? You know, if, if yes. the interest maybe had come on the 1st or 2nd of January, oh, then yes. the answer would be totally different. And again, if it comes back in the summer, the answer is totally different to what it is now with six or seven days remaining of this window. It's all about getting a replacement in. You are totally correct. It is no good selling Callum Wilson or Miguel Almiron if you haven't got a replacement to come in. Trippier is slightly different because you have two or three players who can play in that position, so fair enough. And then you deal with maybe getting another quality right back in in the summer or looking at Harrison Ashby. Has he uh, developed enough at Swansea to, to, to in, join in the, mean, in the meantime, you've got Liverpool and Clough. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, but again, it goes down to Callum Wilson. You know, if someone offers 10, 15 million for Callum Wilson, given his injury record and age, you're saying, yeah, okay. But if you can't get someone in to replace him, Newcastle already need a third striker. There's no good. Let, there's no good letting your second yeah. striker go because then you I mean, you, you, you got to buy look, two. If you just look at it in theory and take away the pressing situation, if this is the end of a transfer window, which you've got to consider. But if you just if this was the the last day of the season, and so you had the summer stretching in front of you, uh, you know, if you get good money for Almir and Wilson or Trippier. They're all 30 or plus. You're not gonna, they're not gonna get they're not gonna produce good money offers for much longer because they're, they're 30. Uh, Almerian's 30, the Trippier's 33, Wilson's 31, or whatever. They are nearing the sell by date. So, and I, I don't mean that we want to make money on them. I don't want Newcastle to be that club. They used to be that club when they sold Waddle. Uh, Beardsley and Gascoigne They're, You don't want them to be that club But if we have to sell somebody To progress And that's what Darren Eels is telling us and, and that's what Ashworth was telling us And that's what Howe is publicly accepted Is the rules of the game Then I would rather sell them Than sell Isaac or Bruno Yeah 100% And I think what you also Accept is that you'd rather Lose five seven, eight million pounds on the price tag if it meant selling them in the summer rather than now with such little time of the window remaining. It's it's a, it's a, it's a loss worth taking if you can still get a good chunk of money in the summer and then you've got time to get a replacement in um, because it's not going to be easy to do in the next few days at all. Uh, all that remains to be done, John, is your prediction then. How is Saturday against Fulham in the FA Cup going to go? And actually, before I get your answer... I've got Newcastle's history in the FA Cup up on my screen here. And um, I knew it was this bad, but it's always nice to remind you of just how bad it is. So the last time Newcastle got past um, the fourth round was in 2019-20. They got the quarterfinals and then were beat off Man City. The season before that, they played Watford uh, and knocked out in the fourth round. Uh, knocked out in the fourth round against Chelsea. Knocked out in the fourth round against Oxford. And then it's all third rounds um, for quite a while until 2011, 2012 against Brighton, where they were knocked out. So their uh, history in the FA Cup of late over the last 15, 20 years or so, it's, it's not great. 
No, it isn't. But I, I don't think this match on Saturday night has anything to do with history. I think that's the last thing that comes into play. If we want to go down the history in the stats routine, we would have lost at Sunderland. Because since Eddie Howe come here, we've lost to a side from a lower division than us in both seasons. We lost to Cambridge up here when Eddie first arrived, and then we lost to Sheffield Wednesday down there last season. So we should have got beaten by Sunderland. And that was a stroll in the park. We'd forgot what a stroll in the park is until uh, that game come along, and that was a stroll in the park. I don't think this will have anything to do with history. I think it's got a lot to do with us going about this the right way. And, and, us go and by the way, the right way is exactly the way we went about it at Sunderland in the last round. I mean, mm. I knew within five minutes of the kickoff against Sunderland we would win because we were in the right frame of mind, the right attitude, we were getting amongst them, we tried to press the ball, we were, we were uh, uh, high-pressing right up the field, everything was right about our game. And I know the opposition was inferior to Fulham, um, but we have to come with, with that attitude. Now, these players have tasted glory from last season, they've tasted glory from earlier this season, Paris Saint-Germain will remain the best night in a lot of their careers, possibly ever, you know. Um, you know, I mean, that was such a, a sensational evening. That will They will remember that for the rest of their life, never mind the rest of their career. And we've got to continue in this. Because however much we say the Premier League's important and getting back into Europe's important, and both those things are right. At the end of the day, players want medals to look at and to show their grandkids, you know. And the only place they're going to get a medal this season is in the FA Cup. So we, that I would have, if I was Eddie, I'd be reminding them of that at Craven College. I would make them sick of hearing it before they went out there because it's important. And what do I think will happen? Well, this isn't sitting on the fence, but it's the only thing that matters. I think we will get through to the next round. I don't care if it takes a replay because it doesn't matter with monkeys. So it's not sitting on the fence because I'm saying Newcastle will be in the fifth round, whether or not it takes a replay. And if I'm pushed, I think we can do it first time and we'll probably will. But I don't mind if we get a replay and beat them here. We're not actually overburdened with fixtures between now and the end of the season. We can stand one more, added one, as well as playing in the other rounds of the cup. But I think we will get through. It may take a replay. If I was pushed and I wasn't allowed a replay, I would say we'll do it first time. But it may well take a replay. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter one jot whether it takes a replay or not. I mean, Chelsea were one nil down against Middlesbrough and sort of dismissed. And then they scored six in the second game. So if we get a draw at Fulham and score six in the second game, I'll be quite happy. But I think we will be through and in the next round. And that's all that matters. I'm not too sure about this one, to be fair. Usually I'm, I'm quite quick to call. Um, but I'm kind of going to sit on the fence. I, I think it might be a draw. I think it's going to be a close game. I'm going to go for a draw. If it's a draw, we get through, by the way. Because yeah. we beat them up here in the replay um, it's going to be a close one and it's going to be really interesting just to see how the break has, has impacted Newcastle hopefully it's, it's in a positive job and they can get back to winning ways and they don't need a replay 
but yeah john thank you as always for popping on to the match preview to you guys watching listen hit follow hit subscribe leave us a rating and review give this video a thumbs up on youtube Head over to chroniclelive.co.uk for all the latest Newcastle Night news, including a dedicated transfer live blog. And we'll have Eddie House press conference later in the week as well. For myself and John, we'll see you guys very soon. <laughs>